feeding of the 5,000, that, that right. miraculous event yeah. is such a good one for thinking about scarcity versus abundance. And yeah. the disciples come and like, Jesus, you got this whole crowd of people. Yeah. How are you going to feed all these people? Yeah. And Jesus is like, well, what do you got? Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and he will use what you got. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. For those of you new here, we're trying to create space where people can play around with a few ideas in the context of what it means to teach and lead Christianly. And one of our deep hopes is that you might be encouraged to go back to your classroom, your staff room, your hallway, and engage in your own hallway conversations. We also love it when listeners give us feedback, suggest show ideas, or have questions for us. So if you feel compelled to do so, please send that to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Today we're going to continue with our series on the book Flourishing Together by Andy Wolf and Lynn Swanner. I know that each of us has appreciated Lynn and Andy's wisdom, and it's encouraged each of us to reflect on our own practice. For that alone, Andy and Lynn, we will give thanks mm-hmm. to you. Dave and Abby, part, part four is on resources. Yeah. And so before we begin, we often begin with a check-in question. That, and today's check-in question is loosely tied to this concept of resources. But when I started reading, or before I even started reading, I was thinking about the resources that my own teachers had at their disposal when I was a child, way back in the early 80s at John Ox Christian School in Burnaby, British Columbia. And I couldn't help but think about technology, quote unquote, back in the day. (laughs) And I remember being completely in awe of the film projector. Oh, yeah. So I, just to give a context, I grew up in a house that either didn't have a television or when we did it was a small black and white, like 11, 13-inch TV that obviously didn't have a remote, had rabbit ears. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. So it was stunning to me as a kid that a teacher could attach what looked like a wheel to this machine and push play, and it would play these images and color and voices and exposed a whole world to me of learning that I didn't know existed, and I loved it. I also remember that the bigger the wheel, the longer the movies. Yeah, you could tell. And I was, I was totally tracking with that as a kid. So when a small wheel came out, I was oh. like, that's only going to be about 10 minutes. <laughs> when a big wheel came out, I'd be like... We are here for the duration of the afternoon. I love it. And better yet, once in a while, if we if we really behave, the teacher would play the film backwards. And the thought of it right now as I'm sitting and thinking about it is making me smile. <laughs> so my checking question for you is, what when I talk about resources, or if you think about resources that were new to you as a, as a kid or a teenager or elementary school, what sort of comes to mind? Abby, has anything come to mind for you? Yeah, I've got, there's like an <coughs> obvious one of, I remember the first time I went on the internet. Wow. Oh, yeah. Right? Wow. Like, I was a seventh grader. Really? Mm-hmm. At oh, school? Man. You were at school? I was at the library, actually. Wow. In town. Yeah. Yeah, like doing a report on something. Wow. Yeah, so there's that one. But my, I think the one I want to talk about is when I was in fourth grade, this is the best. My teacher got from the local, I think it was from the AEA, so the Area Education Agency, yeah. um, she got a Star Lab. Oh yeah. For our class. I 
is it? I've never heard of that Oh before. my word. So, so we moved great. all of our desks to the perimeter of the room, and it's this big thing that you actually like put a fan in and blow up, and oh. you it's like a dome. Yeah. And you go inside, and it's pitch black, and she has <laughs> the ability to like put the stars in the constellation Whoa. of this dome. And so we learned all about the stars and recognizing wow. the constellations. And we are sitting inside like this Amazing. in the dark, yeah. learning about the stars. And that so will, good. it was amazing. Yeah. I, would was I would yeah. love that today. I would love that today. That's amazing. Yeah. So that would be probably yeah. my one that sticks out. Right? Awesome. It's like for a period of time that we had this yeah. star lab and right? it would just like blow up and we would go in it and sit in it. Oh, I would right. love I would love that yeah, too. I get cool. why that's such a positive memory really for cool. you. How about you, Dave? So my my first thought was I can remember being in like first and second grade. I'm old enough that we still had uh, instead of a photocopier, like the mimeograph. Oh yeah. Machine, oh, my and like the smell of a freshly <laughs> mimeograph. Okay, now we oh, we have listeners yeah, who are too young for that business. <laughs> yeah, so what is what is a mimeograph, Dave? Like, I don't what? even know how it works, <laughs> to be honest with you, but it's like some kind of uh, printing. Uh, it was like thing. ink, yeah, right? Yeah, right, and, it, and you would like crank the pages yeah. through instead Whoa. of like, on full cover, and so they were like purple-ish, yeah. and if yeah. they were freshly printed, yeah. they had like a smell to them, yeah. and I just, I remember that, it's such yeah. a silly, fond memory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's good. Of, smells. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's memory, the, right? Well, it's like a biological thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a, Small, like smell is your strongest, strongest memory. Strongest tied to memory. Guys, when I when I started reading, um, I really, really enjoyed um, this section, as I have the other. But I, I really, um, as I shared to Abby earlier in the hallway, I was really um, captured, my imagination was captured by this idea of abundance and scarcity. Mm -hmm. And it actually made a, con a connection for me many years ago. I went to a lecture at Regent College with Walter Brueggemann, who for me is always sort of a, a modern-day Old Testament prophet. Like, I love reading him. It always makes me feel uncomfortable, and I'm always thankful for it. So I actually want to start with a, a bit of a longer Brueggemann quote that talks about scarcity and abundance. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to just ask you to maybe make some connections, and, maybe, and then we'll see where the discussion goes. So, so here's, here's what Brueggemann says. Everywhere Jesus goes, the world is rearranged. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are freed from debt. The forgiveness of debts is listed last because it's the hardest thing to do, harder even than raising the dead to life. Jesus left ordinary people dazzled, amazed, and grateful. He left powerful people angry and upset because every time he performed a wonder, they lost a little of their clout. The wonders of the new age of the coming of God's kingdom may scandalize and upset us. They dazzle us, but they also make us nervous. The people of God need pastoral help in processing this ambivalent sense of both deeply yearning for God's new creation and deeply fearing it. The feedings of the multitude, recorded in Mark's gospel, is an example of the new world coming into being through God. When the disciples charged with feeding the hungry crowd found a child with five loaves and two fish, Jesus took, blessed, broke, and gave the bread. He demonstrated that the world is filled with abundance and freighted with generosity. If bread is broken and shared, there is enough for all. Jesus is engaged in the sacramental, subversive reordering of public reality. Hmm. Yeah. So... I was just, as I was reading through this, I, I felt like I had Brueggemann 
on my shoulder who often talks about um, a theology of abundance and a myth of scarcity and making it and a wonder for me is if that is a bit of the Christian education story is that a bit of our approach as um, parents in terms of how we look at resources that we have and living tight fisted versus open handed um, with what God has blessed us with so I don't know. I'm just gonna. I want to throw that quote out there yeah. and put it on you to just take hey, your initial reactions either to that or even to connect it to what um, Lynn and Andy talked about in this section. Hmm. Yeah. So I wrote down too that scarcity. They talk about in the in this chapter, the first one I think. Scarcity does not equal disparity. So having like a mindset hmm. of abundance and. Um, avoiding that feelings of scarcity does not erase the fact that there are wide disparities mm. oh, yeah. among different populations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I really learned that when I was in my doctoral program, when mm. I read deeply and widely about some of the resource disparities that exist in public education, especially in this mm. country. And then I think about what my kids have and how do I reconcile my role as a Christian, right? Because they also talk about it's our biblical mandate to correct oppression. Yeah. And so yeah. as Christians. And so I don't know. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. So I, I struggled. Yeah. I struggle with that a little bit yeah. inside the Christian education world. Yeah. What does it look like for us to... Because it's it's almost a different system than the public system here, right? And so how do how do those two things mesh? Is it simply a matter of opening up choice? I don't I don't think so because there's location and there are yeah. all of these other barriers. Like I that could be part of the puzzle. I don't think it answers that question completely. No. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wrestling. It's, it's a wrestling. Yeah. So I have no answers other yeah. than to say how how I thought about it and how I approached. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it, I really appreciated their contrasting of a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset, mm-hmm. right? And it, the the good news of the gospel is like we have abundance, right? Yeah. In in many ways, right. right? And how can we steward that? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And yet there was a question right at the beginning of, of the first chapter in this section, right, uh, about will we have enough to meet the needs of our students, and and that mm-hmm. that question, will we have enough? Like I feel that. Like, mm-hmm. like what, what, how much is enough, right? That begs the question, how much is enough then to say, will we have enough? Yeah. And boy, I, I don't, I'm not proud of that, right? That I, that I worry about that, yeah. but I do, like I yeah. worry about mm-hmm. how do we, how do we resource schools really well yeah. to do the work that they need to do? Yeah. How do we resource teachers really well to do the, the work they need to do? How do we equip students with what they mm-hmm. need to do the work they need? And yeah, all of that has costs. And mm-hmm. so that was the connection, I guess, that I made when I started thinking about resources, too. It's like, well, everything costs. Mm-hmm. And in an age of inflation, mm-hmm. you know, it costs more. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Yeah. No, it, it also made me just think about what does it mean um, to steward our students well, to steward our mm-hmm. faculty well. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things that um, they talked about is this idea of, um, how like our teachers are the best textbook, mm-hmm. and I really like that idea. Like the what's the potential of our faculty mm-hmm. in terms of the gifts that they bring, the you know the gifts of God that they have for the people of God, their their students, um, 
and just wondering about how how might we care for care for them care for those teachers better how do we steward our relationship with our teachers better um, it made me think about I think it's Southwest Airlines who um, talk about the like the employees at the center of their company like if you take if you instead of instead of the customer the employees at the center of their company if you take care of the employee they will take care of the customer yeah and it made me think about that for teachers as I read this and I know it's a different context and I know of course and, I, and I'm so thankful for when we say hey what's best for students mm -hmm. but it did make me wonder in terms of how do we protect the resource of our teachers well and one of the things that uh, Lynn and Andy bring up in the book is this idea of stewarding we, when we talk about stewarding we think of stewarding resources and stewarding money but stewarding time, time. Yeah. And, and that one really caught me because I think yeah. that's Usually when push comes to shove, for me, it's not about the money. It's about the time. Yeah. And like, am I being fairly compensated for the work that I'm doing? You know, we should ask that question. That's, that's part of the conversation. But time is always the problem, mm -hmm. right? There's never enough time to do the things that I want to do or that yeah. I feel like I should do. And so you think about that for teachers, right? Mm -hmm. the, the kind of investment of time that they're making into the lives of their students, boy, we should steward that really really well how do we ensure that teachers have time to rest how do we ensure teachers have time to play um, to, yeah. to do things besides yeah. their work i think right. that that's equally important yeah. right absolutely it also made me think about it as i was reading through this it also made me realize when i was a principal how i how much time i spent thinking about the scarcity of enrollment like that yeah. was that for me uh, that was an idol for me if i'm honest like can you, i can may explain that a little bit when you say scarcity then we'll yeah like we're not going to have enough students yeah. or if we don't if we don't get enough students how might the superintendent of our school judge my performance as a principal oh, now yeah. i'm not saying he ever suggested that to me right i'm saying i thought about that that was the story I was telling myself in my head sure. if you were a better principal you would grow this school would be growing at a, at a more rapid rate right and so and so what ends up happening then is a what what do we have to do to grow this school what resources do we need to make our school more appealing to, to the public mm. right and it wasn't and and for me it wasn't at times oh we need to to equip our teachers or we need you know professional development professional learning community what technology out there might others see make us a more appealing choice in the school down the road and what what ends up happening then and i think this can happen in all kinds of in all parts of our lives is instead of instead of making good decisions based on the mission and the vision and the promise statement that we make to parents about who we're trying to be is we're just we're just grabbing at anything um, that will make us more appealing and in mm -hmm. fact you end up comparing yourself so now you're looking at the school down the road mm -hmm. yeah. or the university yeah. down the road and say well what are they doing that we're not mm -hmm. doing well then we need to do that right. versus versus stewarding what we have well so, yeah, yeah that's and, right. that and rooted in the mission and vision mm -hmm. of the school right in a sense your mission and vision then becomes well whatever else whatever everyone else is doing we need to do that yeah. well yeah. that doesn't capture anyone's imagination and then that's based in scarcity like right. we're not enough yeah and that that other school is clearly more mm -hmm. we need what we need what they have so when, when they talked about this idea about the scarcity of enrollment 
yeah, I, I couldn't help but think about that and, yeah. and feel convicted of that, that, yeah, I, I did not always do that well. It was, we never had enough students. Yeah. We always needed more. What do we need to do to, to get them through the front door? Well, and that's a really important question for schools to grapple with, right? Like, how do you right size? Like, what, what's the right? Should we always be trying yeah. to grow as an institution? Um, yeah. I think there are ways in which we should be growing, but I don't think the number of students is always the right yeah. metric yeah. for are we doing what we think yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Another idea that was kind of revolutionary for me as I was reading was this idea of the students themselves. Yeah. as resources yeah. and yeah. not in the way as like they're paying tuition no. right. but as agents right of restoration i'm just going to read a quote that i jotted down genuine agency of students achieved by placing them in front and center um, of our thinking and planning releases tremendous opportunity in the present and can also set students on a trajectory of influence and leadership for the rest of their lives mm -hmm. right and so i think about i go back to that tour we took of high tech high yeah. And thinking about the way that those students, that the school had invested in those students to lead guests mm -hmm. around, right? Yeah. Um, I showed a video to one of my classes yesterday of another project-based site where the student was actually facilitating the class discussion about the next project. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right? So how do we see our students' as resources, invest in them, and then give them agency mm -hmm. yeah. to mm -hmm. do good work in our communities and to be those agents of restoration um, yeah, because at one point they end up talking about um, how do, yeah, stewarding our students' potential. And they talk about how do we invite them into places where they can, I think the language they use is pursue justice, yeah. relieve yeah. oppression, yeah. defend the right of the exploited. And, right. and I love the language Andy and Lynn here when they talk about what do you like shalom-filled relationships within our community, right? And I think that's where do you where do you help them to realize the abundance that God has already equipped them with yeah. as five and ten and fifteen year olds. Like they talk pretty clearly about, hey, like the yeah, the potential of young children, right? Of like mm -hmm. what what are they able to do? And and I just made me realize is is the it just reminds me of how do we get our young children into our neighborhoods. Right, for them to better understand who their neighbor is and, and that actually that they they will be blessed but that they, they can be a blessing actually right they have they have something something to offer their their neighbor and if and I if love that's it. true how do we invest in relationships yeah yeah, yeah. over buildings and over materials like if that's mm -hmm. our biggest priority and if that's the yeah. biggest bang for your buck do, does your balance sheet show yeah, that right yeah. right yeah, I, and I don't always think it does. It it does make me realize, right? Like if if people visited, I'll just use my home for example. If they looked at our budget, what would they say we what would they assume right. we valued, right? And, and what what might that look like in our schools and in, in our institutions, right? Is mm -hmm. is if this what if this is what we're saying we're on about in our mission and vision statement? How does the how does the budget support that because mm -hmm. it because it needs to because otherwise the audio and the video aren't aren't, aren't aligning there what do you guys make of their chapter about breaking bread so they they have a whole chapter mm -hmm. in here they try to use metaphors for, for different yeah. things and uh, idea the imagery of bread in scripture is such yeah. a rich metaphor, beautiful right and and you think of all the times where we talk about breaking bread and jesus at the last supper breaking bread and um all these Feeding places the 5, yeah right yeah. Like all those all those biblical images 
uh, that that really caught my imagination in a I thought it was a really helpful way mm -hmm. to make it tangible, right? And and like the the feeding of the five thousand, that that right. miraculous yeah. event is such a good one for thinking about scarcity versus abundance. And yeah. the disciples come, they're like, Jesus, you got this whole crowd of people. Yeah. How are you going to feed all these people? Yeah. And Jesus, is like, well, what do you got? Yeah. yeah, right. And and he will use what you got. Yeah. Right. And right. and and they went and they picked up how many basketfuls afterward. Right. Yeah. Like there was more than enough. There was abundance from yeah. this little boy's lunch. Yeah. Like you did yeah. that with this. Right. And and like that was actually a really inspirational piece for yeah. me in thinking about this. Like how yeah. often is my vision so limited? And yeah. you know I, I wonder about that. Like if we had more of a, a kingdom vision for yeah. like the abundance of what mm -hmm. is possible. Yeah. We might not have a lot. Yeah. But what can God do with that little bit that yeah. we're willing to yeah. put out there? Right? For schools that want to raise money, they're going to do a capital campaign, right? Like, it's also okay to plan that, to see what is our, what yes. is our, what is our um, community capable of giving. Like, mm -hmm. let's do a study on that. Like, to do both, right? To put our trust in God yep. also doesn't always mean, well, we're just going to, fly by the seat of our pants. And this is why it was interesting to me that on the one hand, it's like, hey, we give us today our daily bread. And then they also had on, on page 166, the importance of strategic planning. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it felt for me a bit of a, a paradox, and I don't think it was, but it just felt for me. Because they said marshalling the right people to do the right jobs with the right resources to achieve the right goal at mm -hmm. the right time, which mm -hmm. I think the right time is actually a really important part there, is one of the highest callings of the steward leader. St steward leader. Strategic planning is one of the highest forms of organizational leadership. And it's like, and I like this idea because we've talked before about like how do you get the right people on the right bus doing mm -hmm. the right things. But then they also go on to say like how do you nurture those people? So it's not just getting them in the right place, but how do you um, how do you nurture that? So it was just interesting to me, right? This on the one hand, for sure, like put our trust and faith in God, right? Yes. All all yes. good gifts are from him. Mm -hmm. But have a plan. Yeah. So there was sort of this, well, and that, that's one of the things I appreciated. And I never caught this part of it, but uh, Lynn and Andy, when they laid this out in the book and they're talking about the feeding of the 5,000, there's a plan there too. Jesus tells yeah. the disciples, like, go have them sit down in groups of 50, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's not like, willy-nilly like there yeah. there was a plan to this too yeah. and and i think there again like both of those things can be true yes trust that god is big enough and powerful enough to do it and yet he works through Here's his people some ways that, right that yeah. this is going to happen yeah that's right mm -hmm. yeah because then at one point they say a christian vision for education views each challenge from an orientation of possibility mm -hmm. and i love that right yeah. like we start yeah. with what is possibility but again in the possibility how how might we make that come real, right? Yeah. What, what, what is the right way to go about? What does mm. a plan look like? Um, what needs to happen in terms of human resources, capital, um, to make that possibility a reality? And so again, it's, it's like we said, both, both things are, tr are true there. I, I had one note in the last section of each, or last chapter of each section, they have just some reflective prompts yeah. and stuff. And there was one, the, the first uh, reflection for educators in, in this one. Uh, there was the, just the line in there in italics, you are good enough. Mm. And I, 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 that caught me. Yeah. Like I had an emotional reaction to yeah. that. And I think it's because of my Dutch Calvinist upbringing that well, says I am not enough, hmm. right? Somehow that I have yeah. to like, yeah. somehow yeah. And just that reminder, like you are good enough. Yeah. God says the things he creates are good. Yeah. You are good. 
you're good enough. It just makes me think as we're coming out of Easter, um, <laughs> this idea, right, of, of his grace is sufficient for you and yeah. for me, yeah. right? And how do we how do we humble ourselves before God in our brokenness as as professionals in our personal life, as as people made in the image of God, to know that we are not enough without him and yes. yet he loves us no matter what. And if that would be our prayer for our listeners too, as you go into this week that for to know that God delights in you and he looks Amen. down on each of us in our brokenness. Um, and still says, well done, good and faithful servants. Friends, as you go into this week, we just want to send you with a blessing. God, go before you to lead you. God, go behind you to protect you. God, go beneath you to support you. God, go beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. May the blessing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you. Do not be afraid. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual Hallway Conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. Like you're going to judge me for this, but like you talk about kids sniffing markers and things like that, but like yeah. the smell of the old Expo marker, not the Expo twos, yeah. they don't smell as yeah. good. Yeah. There's something about those original whiteboard. Ooh, do you remember rubber too. cement? Yeah, that's that had a smell. One. Yeah. Is this why we became teachers? No, yeah. the weird yeah. smells. <laughs> for those of you born in the late '90s and early 2000s, thank you for <laughs> indulging our memory.